0: up. Let him define his own holiness and let us reach up to that holiness. This morning we're going to be um, looking about how deep are your roots. So we're looking up and we're also looking at our foundation. So I'm going to ask the brother to drop our screen here. So we're going to show you a couple of slides. Oh, this is January 5th, maybe? We were in the middle of another storm. And um, out in front here, you'll notice we only have three redwood trees. We used to have four. Um, the, the ones on the west side of the driveway, are, I, I don't know how tall they are. They might be 70 feet high. Um, and one of them came down, and you all know that if you're here. Some of us that are watching online haven't seen this. And this is a picture of that redwood tree that fell down and it hit the fence and we thought, oh my, it's crushed the fence. Um, As it turns out, it it just bent one of the rails and we're grateful for that. And um, it took down a high tension power line uh, up on the top of the pole here, so we didn't have any power, that's why we couldn't have any church after this happened. And this is a picture of the tree as it is leaning over the fence onto the sidewalk. Thankfully, it didn't go out into the street. And after a while, the crews came, and the next one. That's a picture from the other direction. Uh, and I suppose the, <clears throat> the widest part of the uh, trunk was maybe, I don't know, 14 inches. I, 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 I'm not good at that, but anyway, um, it was, it was quite a large tree. The one next to it is the same height, and it's still in the picture. And then this is a picture of the root base, and that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Now, it's hard to tell what you're looking at if you weren't here, <clears throat> but the, um, the soil has been torn up from the edge of the driveway, and you can't really see the depth of this, but um, that, that wedge-shaped piece of soil has been literally torn from the ground. And you can also see that it's not very deep. <clears throat> the, 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 the roots of this 70-foot tree only went down 12 inches. There was no root that went down deeper than that. And so this, this width of soil here is literally about, maybe a bit thicker, maybe 13 and three quarters inches, but it's about 12 inches, and all of this is the underside of the root base of that tree. Now, you can see the tree leaning the other way. The wind came from the southeast, which I think is kinda like from over there, if I'm not mistaken. And it, it, it blew this way. <clears throat> and, um, and it blew toward the northwest, and that's exactly the direction the tree is, li- is lying. Laying or lying? Somebody that's an English teacher will correct me. And, and that's how it came down. That's how it came down, the direction of the wind. The asphalt parking lot prohibited the growth of the root base um, underneath the asphalt. So it, it pretty much stopped at the curbside out here. It did extend as far as the, the branches go, but <clears throat> I've been told by some arborists that on redwoods, uh, the roots are, ex, are, are really supposed to go out two and a half times the widest branch or the longest branch. In other words, a good root base for a redwood goes out pretty good. They go seek water. So we're gonna talk about this tree and then we'll ask ourselves are we like this tree or are we like the one that's still standing out there? Or are we like the others on the other side of the driveway? Or are we like some of these oaks that have been here for over a hundred years? There's reasons why trees stand up in strong winds and reasons why they don't. Okay. Brother Mike, are you able to get that light? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Andy. We'll show that slide again toward the end of our, our thought this morning. I wanted to refer to that tree, and thankfully the brethren came and helped us cut it up. And Brother Danny, has that big log gone? It's not out there anymore. Good things happen when you come to church. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And while you're doing that, if you're able to stand, we'll we'll read this, standing in honor to God's word. Ephesians chapter 3. We have two texts this morning. One's in Colossians, one's in Ephesians. And we're going to be reading first from Ephesians chapter 3 and begin in the 14th verse. the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus, which is predominantly a Gentile congregation. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Don't don't go too fast that you don't pay attention to what's going on here. Look at verse 14. The first thing he does, for this cause. So now, we would have to read some of the preceding verses to know what the cause is for which he bows. But we'll just give you a hint. He's talking about asking them to stand fast um, in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus is the one that breaks down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. that's, That's a theme in the book of Ephesus, that he wants to encourage the Gentiles that they too can be part of the church. And it's for this cause that the apostle bows his knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's That's what he's praying for when he bows, that those that are reading this would be strengthened with his might by his spirit in their soul. Now, there's a way that there's going to be strengthened, and we're going to read that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints, What is the breadth, length, depth, and height? And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Each one of these thoughts we're going to talk about. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father, as we continue, we look to you that you'd bless and help. Let the word lodge in each heart, delivered by the Spirit, that, God, none of us would go away untouched, that, Father, your convicting power might cause us to be serious about, once again, the condition of our soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I want to talk about three things. One is the danger and the illusion of shallow roots. And the second is the advantage, therefore, of being deeply rooted in Christ. And then I want to ask us today, this morning, what are we rooted in? Do you know that this message is for young people as well as older people? If you're a young person here and you're in middle school or you're in elementary school and you can understand what the Spirit of God is saying to you this morning, this message is for you also. Amen. So don't check out. Don't check out. Don't say, well, when the message is over, then we'll go eat lunch, and I've done my duty. Stay with us. There'll be something for you, whether you're young or old here this morning. We're going to be talking about roots. We can relate, right? We saw a picture of a tree with shallow roots, this 70-foot tree. There's a danger in being uh, rooted in a shallow way. And many times... You're not aware of the danger until the wind comes, until the storm comes. You know, when life is easy, I asked somebody one time, a young friend of mine, do you want to make some money? You want to make some money? I have a job for you. When I was, I think I was in grade school, our next-door neighbor, for some reason, wanted a bunch of rocks removed from her soil behind the back of the house, and I think they wanted to plant some sod or some grass there, and so the ground was too rocky, and she wanted me to remove all these rocks, and I think these rocks went to China because I started removing these rocks and putting them in a pile, and the, it never went away. There were just more rocks underneath it. And she was paying me 10 cents an hour. <laughs> this would be like 1970. You see, I, I I wouldn't work for anybody for 10 cents an hour. Back in those days, 10 cents a quarter, look, <clears throat> if you saved enough quarters, all you needed was $1.50 and then you could get the next Hardy Boys book. A fifty would buy a Hardy Boys book, so if you had, if you had five quarters. So if, if you worked for 15 hours, 10 cents an hour, you could get yourself another Hardy Boys book. Wow. And somebody says today, brother, I'm still not convinced. I still wouldn't work for 10 cents an hour. So my friend, my young friend, I said, I have a job for you, would you, like, would you like to make some money? And I was thinking, I don't know, $15 an hour? You can do the math, how much percentage is increased from 10 cents an hour is that? Seems pretty good to me. And my young friend, no, no, I, I don't need any money. And I said, oh. He said, yeah, I, I, do, I do chores around the house and mom and dad, they pay me an allowance and that's good enough. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. Must be a good allowance. And I told dad, and dad said, okay, we're, we're gonna work on that. <clears throat> you know, that we would somehow at some point have this desire to work so that we might earn so that we can pay our own way, right? Those are good things. And those are things that young people learn along the way. But you know what? It reminded me that as many times in many places, especially in this country, young people are well cared for. Now, not every young person is well cared for. Some are, um, some are in dangerous circumstances, but many that we know we, we live in good homes, we're well cared for, our needs are provided, there's no trauma, there's no trial, there's no tribulation. When the wind blows, we're in our rooms, we're safe, nothing bad happens, right? And we go on like that as we grow up through our younger years, and then you get to high school. And then you get to high school. And even today, in middle school, things change. Things change. I like to say when <clears throat> our house backs up to an elementary school, and every so often the bell goes off and the children come out, and, and I've said the first thing they do is they all start yelling because they're happy. And they run out and pr- play, and <clears throat> they're just you can hear them laughing and yelling and running and everything. And I like to say, I wish the world could be full of kindergartners, right? because they get along for the most part. And even if they don't get along and they have disputes, they're over in a hurry. And when they run out of class, they all, it doesn't matter where they've come from, what socioeconomic background, where their families came from, they all run out in the play yard and they begin to play. But then what happens is young people grow up, and you get to a certain age where the world begins to become close to you and peer pressure and things that start to blow strongly against your tree, like the one that fell down out here. And sooner or later, these winds blow strong enough for young people that your tree now is really in danger of falling. What do you mean by that? Well, whether it's drugs or alcohol or inappropriate behavior, right, or bullying or whatever, confronts young people in school today. And I'll tell you lately, um, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. And young people are now in their own windstorm. And it's going to matter to you how deep the roots of your faith are. Right now, it doesn't matter too much. Why? Because mom and dad are holding you up. Um, When the winds blow, You've got a lot of support, but when that support gets a bit thin and you're on your own at school and these strong winds blow, you're going to remember this message because your faith will be shallow rooted. Lord wants all of us to have something more than that so we don't end up like that 70 foot tree out there on the sidewalk. That tree's gone, it's been cut up, it's, it's, it's being used for something else now, but it's not standing where it used to stand. It's a shallow rooted tree. And people today are in danger with shallow rooted lives. That's the first problem of shallow roots. A shallow faith draws from a shallow experience. James chapter one and verse two is a scripture that we've read many times and he says, um, count it all for joy when you fall into divers temptations. So when the wind blows against you and you now have a problem, one way that you can respond is you can get bitter, you can get angry, you can say, I'm gonna get even, you can run, you can be fearful, or the scripture says, count it all for joy. Why? We'll study this. When the wind blows against a tree, right, as it's just starting out, it actually helps the tree to develop roots that will hold it when the wind gets stronger. And so temptations and trials are like these winds that blow against these trees. They're necessary for us to develop and have enough something to hold us up, strength to go through trials of life. So when wind blows against you, be careful about how you respond, about the attitude that you develop. The scripture said, count it all for joy. Be thankful that there's a little wind going on. Shallow roots. There's an illusion of a shallow-rooted tree. That tree that's out there right now, that's 70 feet tall, It may be that its roots are no deeper than the one that fell down. It may be. I don't know. It's very close in the very same circumstances. What I'm interested to see is if that tree begins to develop deeper roots now that the other one is gone. They were very close together when they were planted. They were competing for resources, for water, for nutrients in the soil, for space, for strength, for sunlight. Those two trees were so close that portions of them were competing for all these resources, and it weakens a tree, or at least it doesn't develop as fully when it competes for resources. That's why professional arborists and those that study these things, when they look at the health of a forest, It's not a bad thing to thin a forest. Some people think that you shouldn't go into the forest, you shouldn't disturb it. It's not a bad thing to thin a forest. Because if not, the tendency can be that it's more susceptible to insect damage, uh, fire, flood, all the things that can damage trees when there's too many of them in one spot, the whole forest becomes weaker. And so it's not a bad thing to thin a forest. So that that which remains doesn't compete as much for resources to become healthy. The same is true for us in our faith. We're gonna talk about this idea of dependency here in a minute in strength. But there is an illusion, there's an illusion. That, That 70 foot tree out there, when you look at it from the ground up, it's green, there's no brown branches. It's well-formed. It's a beautiful-looking tree. The trunk looks big enough in proportion to its height. You might say, that's a nice tree. That tree is safe. That tree, that tree is solid. <clears throat> that tree's not coming down. There's an illusion. Because when we looked at the one that fell and its roots were only this deep, look, think about that. The roots are this deep, and the tree is 70 feet high. That much is holding up 70 feet high. It is unbelievable that that much could hold up 70 feet high, including all the storms that we've had over the years. That tree was over 25 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And that much is holding up 70 feet. I thought, my, there's an illusion of strength that a person can possess that because I don't do the things I used to do, that I profess that I love God, I come to church on a regular basis. I do what I'm supposed to do. I raise my family the way I'm supposed to raise my family. But look, we need to let the Lord examine the whole tree not just what's above the soil, but what's down, where our roots have gone. Because there is an illusion of faith that we can be strong enough, but really our roots haven't gone deep enough. And when the wind of trials and tribulation come, we too can be blown down. You'll never know until the strongest windstorm comes. You know, I don't know what the gusts were on the 5th of January around here they said they were at least 60 miles an hour and some of them were saying they were stronger than that maybe 70 maybe 80 a gust something was beating against that tree and then a strong gust came and that was all it took it, it ripped it up a little and then a little a little and it just, it just ripped up that whole, that whole root base and it all came down We don't know how strong our faith is until the strongest wind blows. And the strongest wind for you may not have blown yet. That's why I say, if you're 12 years old this morning, or 14 years old, or maybe 15 or 16 years old this morning, the strongest wind may not have yet blown in your life. But there's going to be some strong gusts for you coming in high school. There's going to be some strong gusts. What comes in high school is uh, things that you're not supposed to do. And they will ruin you. They can take your mind. They can ruin your future. They can change your life. Now, this is all the bad things that can happen. Of course, there are many good things that can happen as well. But the Lord is trying to help us understand some things here. Ephesians chapter 3. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in something, will stand, be able to comprehend, not only stand, but comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of the love of God. Why? Because our roots are in that. And when our roots are in that, what comes out of that is evident on the surface. And what is evident on the surface now can withstand the trials of life, rooted and grounded. <clears throat> when we, um, I thought I need to go home now, because my wife and I, um, she purchased a couple of, of trees, and um, a couple years ago, and they weren't they weren't growing up straight, and so I staked them. And I knew not to stake them too tightly. I, I used the landscaper's tape, you know, that you use to stake a tree trunk to, to the stakes so that it can move a little bit because you want a, a tree that's growing to be able to, to move with the, the breezes that go with it so that its roots will get stronger. But after a while, you're meant to take the stakes away so that the tree can stand up on its own. Amen. And I thought it's been it's been a couple years. I need to go back out there and see if those stakes are still, you know, not a problem. Otherwise, I need to take the stakes away. At some point that tree has to stand on its own. Otherwise, it becomes weak. And when the winds blow, that tree will fall. It's the same for us. The illusion of shallow roots. We can confront this, these winds of trials and tribulations in different ways. I said, you know, you can be fearful. This morning we talked about unforgiveness. A person can be unforgiving when a wind blows, when a strong trial comes, when some opposition comes. It can raise up unforgiveness in us or, or, or bitterness or whatever. And yet that person will profess to have an experience with Christ all the while having shallow roots because those responses to wind create weakness, a spiritual immaturity. At some point, a congregation of the church needs to be spiritually mature and stand on its own two feet and not on the coattails of the teacher or the pastor. The pastor and the teacher need to be able to bring the word of God to teach the congregation. Why? not to follow their coattails, but to stand on their own two feet. All of us, at a point in time, should be able to witness to somebody else that doesn't know God about how to be saved. All of us should be able to meet somebody in the marketplace or in our, 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 our neighborhood or wherever we are and be able to sit down and guide someone in truth on how to know God at some point in our experience. If not, it is not not a good testimony for someone to sit in a pew for 40 years and not be able to help someone know, by the Bible, how to know God. That's a tree with very shallow roots. After a quarter century, we would have thought that tree would have put it down in the soil, but they were very shallow. And that ultimately was the ruin of that tree. All of us should have enough confidence in the gospel and be able to take everything that we've learned and go out and teach somebody. Amen? Amen? All of us should be able to do that. But there is a a dependency that can arise, and this is the illusion of shallow roots when it's staked too tightly to mom or dad, or when it's too tightly to another saint or another person of faith, and that tree just doesn't, it can't resist the wind, it's it's not strong enough. A dependency, a dependency on something else to hold us up and we remain shallow rooted. When we should be strong, we're still weak. trial comes and our roots can't keep us standing. So there is an illusion for a person who professes faith to actually have very shallow roots. <clears throat> that, green, that evergreen looks beautiful, but underneath those shallow roots, very difficult to hold up when that storm becomes strong. Okay. Ephesians, uh, let's go, keep going down to what we read earlier from 14. The apostle bows his knees. Now we're going to talk about the advantages of being deeply rooted. And he says he wants that those that read and hear this would be strengthened by the might of his spirit in the inner man and the soul that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith because they're rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And once they're rooted and grounded, then they'd be able to access or tap into good things. There are certain advantages of being deeply rooted. First thing to become deeply rooted is to be willing to sacrifice. If we were to read the earlier chapters in Ephesians and come to this, we would understand that he's also telling this congregation, there's going to be sacrifice required of you, but it's necessary in order that you might be deeply rooted in Christ. It must begin with sacrifice. When those trees were planted, I don't know the condition of the soil underneath those roots, but in some parts of this property, we have hard pan. Hard pan is just usually clay that has been compacted, and it can get like concrete. You need a jackhammer to break through it, and it's just dirt. And in parts of this property, there's, there's little areas of hard pan, <clears throat> and, and our grass doesn't grow as well, and other things happen. I don't know, but it could be along the driveway there where the soil was graded and perhaps compacted. It, it was hard pan when these trees were planted. Now, the other thing is, We know that when you plant a tree and you have a a root ball under the tree, many times they come wrapped in burlap or something, you're supposed to dig the hole bigger than the root ball, aren't you? You're not meant to just dig the hole the same size as the root ball put the tree in, because if the soil around it is hard, that root ball will be bound, and it won't go out and it won't go down. And so you're meant to dig it big enough and deep enough so when the roots start to go down, they don't have to force their way through concrete to get there, amen? Now it's quite possible that out here, and I don't know, but it is possible that that area of hard pan, we didn't go deep enough and wide enough when those trees were planted. And so as it grew, when the roots developed, they just spread out under the surface and they didn't go deep. We didn't find one tap root. I did see a taproot that tried to go down under the center of the root ball. And I saw a little depression in the hard pan there where it tried to go down but it hit it and it's like it bounced off of it. And it didn't go down, it went out. We need to be willing and look, when you dig a hole through this kind of dirt out here, it's hard work. It's called labor. It's the same as sacrifice. If we want our roots to go deep, some of you I know are praying for a deeper experience with Christ. And that's a good thing. Be willing to sacrifice, be willing to let go of fear, be willing to let go of history. Well, I've I've always been like this or it came from my past. Well, then find something or someone to help you with those things that you believe have bound your roots. Don't stay in that condition. You don't have to stay in that condition. But I want to tell you, sometimes people stay in conditions because they're afraid to change. Brother, I just don't think I'm a candidate for change. I, I think I'm... I'm root-bound, I think I'm in hard pan, uh, 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 my, 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 my tree, I, I, I like the way it looks, but my, I feel, I feel like I have shallow roots. <clears throat> you don't have to stay in that position. The Lord has help for that. You don't have to stay like that. But we need to be willing to sacrifice whatever it is, is keeping us root-bound. A deep experience in Christ will tap into all of those things that will help us when the wind blows against us. A shallow experience in Christ will limit our ability to tap into that which will hold us up when the wind blows strong. We will know how strong our experience is by the depth of root and what it's tapping into. We'll know how strong it is. This isn't hard to figure out. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. When we are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, we begin to comprehend the the width and the breadth and the depth and the height and the length of God. When we're rooted and grounded, in the love of God, in the love for God. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now I'd like you to go to Colossians chapter 2, because I said we had two texts this morning. So those are some ideas about the advantages of being deeply rooted in Christ and the illusion of shallow roots. Colossians chapter 2, first 10 verses. It's a similar text but with a little different twist for I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you Paul says of the uh, uh, Colossians and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love it's the same theme isn't it as rooted and grounded in love And unto all riches of the full assurance. We also saw that in Ephesians. He was talking about fullness. The full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When our roots go down deep enough, that's what we go into. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words, so that you're not shallowly rooted. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order, the steadfast of your faith in Christ, because you are deeply rooted. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus our Lord, walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding therein in thanksgiving. We should not have to be 40 years after we're saved and still have a shallow-rooted experience. If you're living with a shallow-rooted experience, it's not too late to ask God to help you get your roots down deeper. It depends on what your roots are tapping into. If they're trying to tap into the hard pan of life, you'll never get deeper. We're going to talk about that. If you're trying to tap into the wisdom and knowledge and the love of God, your roots will go deeper. Sometimes, I think, we think we're tapping into Christ, but really what we're doing is we're bouncing off the hard pan of life underneath there, and our roots never go deeper. And that needs to change. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. That produces hard pan. Philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, that produces hard pan. After the rudiments of the world, that produces hard pan and not after Christ that produces hard pan roots don't go deep in that for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and then he says and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power when our roots go into that which God has designed for us we begin to enjoy the fullness of God in a way that we didn't enjoy before That's the design of God, that our our taproot, our roots, go down into the fullness of God. It creates a fullness in us. Amen. So we really need to get to what are we rooted in. Verse 7, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you've been taught. That's why I say, if we've been taught something for a long time, we should not have a shallow faith. We need to put it in practice. What is a person rooted in that professes to love God? We're going to get to love. I wrote down here, Thanksgiving. In these verses that we're reading, go back to Ephesians and read this in Colossians and find Thanksgiving in here. A deeply thankful person is a person who understands the peril they have been in and what they were saved from. A deeply thankful person. And I thought of this. Every time we're tempted to find fault or to be vengeful, to take vengeance, or tempted to be dismissive of somebody, right? Or, or tempted to be condemning of somebody, or tempted to be unforgiving of somebody. Every time we're tempted for this, that's hard pan. That's hard pan. Every time we're tempted that way, we have an alternative. We can remember, and so was I. And be thankful instead of unforgiving, instead of vengeful, instead of dismissive. Instead of all these other things, and so was I, and be thankful. Lord, thank you for saving me from my own foolishness. And leave it there. Even as you are wronged, or somebody, somebody does you wrong, right? These other things come up. Instead of those things, switch, flip, and be thankful. That will send our root down into the love of Christ, the thankfulness for what God has done for us. Go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. Now we're talking about what are we rooted in. And in verse 17, you can see that the thankfulness it, it, it also sends us to a love for God and a love of God. A love for God from us toward heaven and the love of God from heaven toward us that we might share it with somebody else. This is what a deeply rooted experience does. It, it makes the godlike things important to us and, and interesting to us and fascinating to us. and we begin to imagine things about God in heaven, even in our daily lives, when we're rooted in the wisdom, right, and knowledge of God and the love of God, that love of God, it it now sends us to a desire to share that with somebody else, to help somebody else. A shallow experience, which is built on the hard pan of life or faith, has very little incentive very little desire to share our experience with anyone else. A church built on hard pan will not witness. A church built on hard pan will not witness the love of God. It will be too afraid of being misunderstood or of peer pressure A deeply rooted church will witness the love of God. Why? Because that's what comes up from below. A deeply rooted church. A church built on on a hard-pan faith will not survive the wind of trial and tribulation. And all the while, they'll be green, it'll be 70 feet high, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll stand in summer and winter, it, it, it'll soak up the rain, and we'll think, oh my goodness, that's a beautiful church. It's built on hard-panned faith. And it's not witnessing. A deeply rooted church, there should be no compulsion, there needs to be no message about going out and witnessing faith. Why? Because that root draws it up. It's a natural part of who we are. If we have to be constantly harangued about witnessing and sharing and helping, we, we need to ask ourselves, how deep are our roots? Amen. My God help us. Now the other thing is, strength comes from a deeply rooted life. But I'm asking the question, what are we rooted in? There is an experience which can misconstrue, cannot understand correctly, rooted and grounded. And that experience goes like this. We know that roots are really the source of strength of a tree. This rooted and grounded idea is the source of strength of a Christian. There is this idea that, as a Christian, that we need to be rooted and grounded in um, in everything that will prevent us from being destroyed. Now, we read here what he says to be rooted and grounded in, verse 17. The last half of that. That's what he said to be rooted and grounded in. But the misperception is that somehow we need to be rooted and grounded in everything that we stand against. And so, I am rooted and grounded in not being worldly. I am rooted and grounded. In that I am not like them, or I am not like him. I am rooted and grounded in that. I'm firm in that. And the wind of opposition blows and my tree doesn't fall because I am not like that. I am not like him. I have been saved from that, and so my thankfulness is I am not like that. That's That's my thankfulness, I'm not like that. And when I disagree with this or that, I'm rooted and grounded in the knowledge of what I know and what I believe and it is not that that's what I'm rooted and grounded in it's almost time for me to quit we can be rooted and grounded in what we are not and not rooted and grounded in what we should be. Rooted and grounded. I'm talking about rooted and grounded. Some things that I believe strongly in that I should not be, might be better displayed from the ground up. You follow what I'm saying? On how that tree is shaped, on how it is adorned, what that tree wears, Where that, how, which way it bends, which way it goes. That might be better understood from the ground up, but not from the ground down what is meant to be rooted and grounded from the ground down is in the love of Christ, the love of God, for God. That, if my taproot goes down into, <clears throat> I, I'm fascinated by God, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in God, God determines my incentive, God determines which way I go, God determines how I roll. I, I, and, and not only that, I'm not talking about, The preacher determines all that. Or the teacher determines it. God determines that. My root is down in the wisdom and the knowledge and the love of God and what comes up and out of my mouth reflects that. I'm not hard to get along with. Hello? Somebody says, so brother, I'm easy to get along. Really? <laughs> really? If somebody says you're sometimes you're just hard to get along with. Are you willing to take that? Or do you just out of hand reject it and say, no, it's not me, it's you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen the hard pan of faith. And at the end of the day, the advantage is we, become, we start to get filled with the right thing. The last thing is I have discovered a fear among religious people, a certain kind of religious spirit. It's a fear of talking about the strength of God as the love of God. I've discovered a fear for that that people think that somehow if you, if you just leave it right there, that the strength of a, a Christian experience is in the love of God, that somehow now it's wishy-washy, it's, it's not, it doesn't rightly, you know, boundary life. If you just leave it like that, that somehow I, I, I need to decide, I, I, I need to, I need to put in there all the things that i am against that has to get mixed up in that or the love can't be genuine that's a problem the love of god i wrote this down people don't understand what they're what they really what they're reading the love of god the love of god includes the justice of god It's not absent. We don't need to be afraid that my strength is the love of God. You don't need to be afraid to say that. Somebody said, You know what? I I, I think people have come to a Christian experience where they think God is only tough love. You know? I need to beat on this problem. or or I'm not being genuine somehow. I'm being syrupy or wishy-washy. That's a phrase, by the way, that is not in the gospel. Tough love. It's not there. You won't find it. Just leave it the way it is. That's why we've been studying this. Let the text speak for itself. We need to be rooted and grounded in the love for God. If I'm rooted and grounded in all of those look, where your treasure is, right? That's where your heart's going to be. If my treasure is in the love of God and all that that represents, I don't have a problem. I'm going to draw from that the fullness. I, I, I will begin to experience the fullness of God. I don't need to add things to that now to qualify it, to somehow make everybody believe that somehow I'm not wishy-washy. Oh my. This is how how a Christian tree stands in in the storm, to be filled. We talk about full salvation, don't we? What do we mean by full salvation? We mean that somehow, your sins are forgiven, and then you're filled with God's Spirit at some point, somehow. We call that full salvation. This, read this again, read Ephesians and Colossians. This is calling full, what it's saying full salvation is, is a taproot that goes down into the love of God. And what comes out of that creates a fullness. Maybe that's a way to understand what we call sanctification, a taproot. See, I think many people that are claiming sanctification have a faith built on the hard pan of faith. Simply because someone's gone to an altar a second time does not mean that they are participating in the fullness of God. It might be a very shallow experience after all, the hard pan of faith. The hard pan of faith, it's got unforgiveness in it. It has pride in it. It has vanity in it. It has self-righteousness. It has a name without power. The hard pan of faith. It condemns without love. That's what hard pan is. Roots will not go down in that soil. Let God break it up. I wrote down, what do you have to lose? People are afraid. They're afraid if I just make the love of God my interest, my my daily living. They're afraid that somehow that means I have to set aside all the things that make for a, a beautiful tree on the surface. We still need those beautiful trees on the surface. Branches need to be trimmed. It needs to be shaped. It needs to be adorned properly. We still need that. Why? So the world sees that's a beautiful-looking tree. That's not what he's talking about down underneath. Amen. Brother, show me my tree again so I can remind everyone the danger and the illusion of shallow roots. I don't want to end up like that. Tree's gone. That big flap of dirt, Now everyone will drive out that driveway on your way out. And the big flap of dirt, Brother Elmer put it back down, and the brethren helped, and, but the tree's gone. I'm hopeful that the tree that remains, which is no longer dependent upon this tree, I'm hopeful that one starts to put down a deeper root. But you can rest assured, if we're in church and it's blowing 60 miles an hour, we will have you go out the other driveway. And you don't have to worry about that tree. We're we're waiting to see if now it can stand on its own, mature, without competing with this other. We're not in competition with each other. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you this morning. Let's stand and we'll sing a song before we dismiss.